the uh, contemplation of mind, contemplation of mind objects, and insight into these, jitta, upasana, dhammanupasana, these are well defined and well taught by by the Buddha. These are not uh, um, deviations or not getting in touch with correct practice. These are very long established practice. Sometimes people feel that you know, unless you've got a, a technique on based on some kind of physical form that, that you, you can't meditate. But the in uh, in retreat situations, certainly one does have the unique opportunity to really uh, get into um, concentrating on on physical form, on on the sensations in the body, which you don't normally have. Most of the time, I expect you're up in your head, or emotions and thoughts and moods. <coughs> So when we use a retreat situation most beneficially, you're using it as as a resource for skillful living, so that you can continue in your life in a way that's giving you insight, at least recognizing that it's possible to work with, not as a question of now we do it, now we don't, but that at least the the mind stuff that is normally very much our world is manageable. You don't have to just constantly push it away. The the thing that is to be scrutinized and abandoned is the self-view, personality view, which is either uh, very conscious or instinctive. And we've been reflecting a little bit through the retreat time and time again on on when it's conscious and when it's instinctive, when there's a very definite feeling of I am this, this is me, this is mine, and all the the confusion, grasping, and eventual distress that arises through that. Even holding on to pleasing and, and fortunate things from the I am viewpoint leads us to to disappointment when it passes or are constantly seeking more or some kind of self-conscious vanity or, or um, biased perceptions of life. We can actually feel that like, sometimes people don't like the idea that, that uh, life may not be just a bowl of cherries. And this is some kind of negative nihilism. Because okay, I'm all right, Jack. <laughs> but when we consider the the you know life as an as a form, not just for me at this particular time, which is I can't complain about. I'm not complaining about it. Um, but the general view, objective view, that there is a, certainly a lot of violence, greed, hatred, confusion, suffering, pain, the human beings. The animal world is, is no better. Constant fear, needing to protect oneself, 
um, and so forth. And then the and then it takes some skill or some in, in our in our very comfortable societies uh, to to look into that. Although many of us do experience uh, discontentment, feeling of wouldn't it be nice if there was a little more of this, a little less of that, or if the world was all right, or if the play, everything was completely fair. There's nothing that ever I could feel was unfair. Or, or not right, or made me feel unhappy or disappointed, or if I could know more, if I could know everything. There's always that slight discontent, and, and even in our comfortable societies on the physical level, we can experience a great deal of psychological turmoil and torment. Now, in you're in in looking at this, then we're saying, well, if this is, say, a, a very fundamental view, then actually in, in meditation we are we're wanting to work into that. What is this about? And this is in uh, the, there's the, what we make out of being restricted, being limited, not being able to get what we want always having to have things we don't want sometimes. This is the teaching of the Four Noble Truths, which is the, the ultimate meditation retreat. It goes on, they ring the bell when you die. <laughs> it's the kind of, the complete workout And this year, actually, rather than how can I avoid it, how can I, you know, get around it or find a place where it won't happen, we're looking at it, well, how does it arise in our life? And there's the way where to look at this is, is in the mind, isn't it? Right? We're looking at just physical pain, and I'm suggesting that you look at that as what is the mind's attitude towards that, which is, it takes some teaching, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of, of, instruction and quite a lot of skill to keep turning your mind on to what do I feel about that, not how do I get rid of this thing, what am I going to do about it, and the, or the worry or the doubt, or that's just a physical discomfort. Now with mind objects that you find uh, unpleasant or or bringing you into states that you realise are not, not helpful, just kind of winding you up or Overstimulating, overcharging you, uh, sense craving, aversion, grudges, irritation, dullness and doubt, and uh, worry, restlessness. These, these, these are these are these are called the hindrances. Nice to know there's only five, isn't it? Sometimes it seems like more than that. These are where we feel distress, or we feel not right, or we feel discontented. We can't really feel good about ourselves if we're always full of, of craving, even though um, desires can be quite fun, with the prospect of gratifying them, quite amusing or interesting to, to be in, uh, just fantasizing 
know, things that we'd like, sexual desires, or you know, maybe I could go here or go there. It's kind of colourful, isn't it? But finally, we don't feel very good. Feel a bit. We can't really respect ourselves. Now, in the using these, this, uh, the noble truths about the discontent or distress or the feelings of imperfection, or last night we had limitation, feeling of being bound by or oppressed by or burdened by the very feeling of what hindrance implies. It's there that you're bringing your mind to to bear. You're bringing the just upon that feeling of being it, being stuck with it having to find a way around it, having to deal with it. And what all of the skillful means that there are to, to bring us back to the point of bringing us to this point, this is the point where we're coming to. Now there are skillful means and techniques. So obviously if you're every, all over the place, you've got to concentrate a little bit. If you're really f- full of, of negativity and, and, and bitterness or resentment, then you should try to cultivate something that's at least tolerating that feeling. And, and look again, think again, and make an effort to, to, to bring in something that's a little kinder or more generous, more forgiving towards yourself or towards others. The Brahmaviharan, the cultivation of the heart, then if one is always uh, caught up with fascinations and attractions to, to sexuality, which is causing you distress, then you should contemplate the, the body and its elemental qualities, or it's just the kind of forms and the, what the body is composed of. These are all well-attested, skillful means. And we may not like them, as, mu- as, as such, but you don't have to like medicine for it to work. And if you r- really want to get beyond suffering, then you use use the medicine that's available. There may not, we may not like to to put effort into concentrating when our minds are going every which way. It's it's an effort, isn't it? So, and it doesn't seem to be getting immediate results. Or when we feel dull and and, and stupefied, just to kind of sit put effort into the body, open your eyes, keep beginning again, working with it. Don't like doing that. Like to just kind of sit in a fug, nod off or go back to bed until I feel better. <laughs> now also with doubt then doubt uh, uh, the, what one would like to do is find an answer to it. We think. And as long as we think, we doubt some more. Because whatever you think, you can unthink. You can think, you think. But then again, maybe that's it. Then. But on the other hand, maybe, ah, oh, yeah, that's it. But what if, and then I could, yeah, that's, that, that's right. But he said, so perhaps it's that. If I think hard enough, I'll find the, I'll find the answer. He said, all it ever takes you to is the 
switching between alternative modes of belief, disbelief, positive, negative, up, down, right, wrong, the polarities of the sensory world. The thought is a sense organ. It can't take you beyond the polarities of, of, of the senses, like, dislike, up, down, backwards, forwards, dark, light, doubt, belief. Doubt takes you to belief, belief takes you to doubt. When you believe something, there comes a point where the, you can't hold that together anymore. And then you can believe in the opposite. So these, we we don't just follow what these hindrances are are urging us to do. You know, it's a kind of fundamental, skillful means thing to just a rule of thumb. We don't follow them. But what is more, with just with contemplation, what you're developing apart from a mentality that begins to recognize these are problems and somehow there's something that needs to be done around it. We don't just be following caught up in it. Now most of us would, with a bit of time, would perhaps begin to think of some of these means, but with the wrong view. Like you can get rid of, of uh, doubt with, wrong, with a with just a kind of supreme refusing to think or holding on to an idea. You can get rid of dullness by just kind of forcing yourself. It's just effort of the will. You can get rid of, of you can suppress aversion by, by smoothing over it with some, some well, you know, some kind of um, contrived feeling and get rid of of, of uh, sensual desire, sexual desire, any uh, desires like that just by by consciously suppressing it. But with with uh, through insight and why one has cultivated insight means on body feeling uh, uh, is so that you're beginning to get to the point of self identification with as being a means whereby just through the power of, a, of awareness, not through anything else, you can be freed from these, from the oppression with these. And so we're using the example of, of physical discomfort as, as, a kind, as, a, as a tangible. You bring your mind on to that point of not wanting it to be this way and you, you look into there and there's always some sort of clenching or holding, pushing away or holding on to. And that is what self-view feels like. I want, I don't want. If you, if you really look into that, that clenched defensiveness or feeling desperate unless we have, you see that when you look into that you begin to feel a, a, this whole person, personality root right in there. How one is defined, the habits, which, are, which can seem very strong. The attraction or repulsion 
eye is often so instinctive that we can meditate for years just following that instinctive self-view. I don't want, I don't like, I must purify my mind, I must be a better person, I shouldn't be this way, I should be that way, and this uh, it's not, there's an inkling of truth in that, in that certainly freedom will not be realized until there is the abandonment of these hindrances. But this is all, in Dharma terms, all couched in totally impersonal views, not for some strange um, way of speaking, but as an a appropriate way of teaching. Purification from the self, from the point of view of a person, is always hard work and uh, uh, ultimately a failure <laughs> you, get, you know you can you hold it back but then you find that you get rid of this and you get that and the, the efforts you put into to, to uh, suppress things or get rid of things or put things aside you can only sustain for so long the effort itself is, is, is hard and wearisome and the sustaining of it is impermanent to eventually flop back again. But it's the self-view, the I am. Now in, in a meditation retreat one has the opportunity to experiment, you know, to, to look at, to actually contemplate mind objects as mind objects rather than I am. Rather than I am doubting, I am greedy, I'm fearful, I'm worried, I'm restless, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that, that. There is. And we use this, this reflection. It's not to, to assume that there is non-attachment. Here I'm being non-attached, there is fear, there is greed, there is hunger. But a means of providing the right environment where it's possible that, that there will be a letting go. But we don't just say that like waving a magic wand over something, like doubt, okay that's doubt, I, I can see it, there it is, as if that's non-attachment. You can't just wave a magic wand over it and make it, make yourself non-attached. I have no, myself personally, I have no personal views anymore. Here I am being non-attached about this and that. I've got more non-attachment than anybody else I know. <laughs> How ridiculous it gets, isn't it? That we're using this just as a way of, of experiencing that kind of tension between having to put that with something we sincerely do not like and not expecting ourselves to like it, but to, to just be in that to really commit ourselves to that that point, that edge, that that cutting, that that unknowing, when we we realise that we can't get rid of, we can't attain, we can't become, we can't solve, we can't let go, we can't be detached. That we ju- we just know there is, and there's a complete recognition of there is this, there is that, the way it is. And this is the, the, the bringing ourselves completely into the present. It's the, it's the putting aside of the boundary 
of that, that division between me and it. And it's that boundary which acts as our oppressant. The possibility of being other than that is what prevents us from ever really fully opening up to the way it is. Because there's a possibility of being other than that and I would like to be other than that. And that's what self-view is. Whenever there's dissociation, whenever there's separation, there's self-view. It may not come up in those terms. It may be just a, almost a, a, a quiet or a, a subdued self-view, a tranquil self. But it's still that the, it's that separation from the way things are, from Dhamma. And there's either Dhamma or Atta or Self. These are two modes of being. When there's Dhamma, then we don't have, there's no self to get rid of, there's no ego barriers to smash through, there's no personality to shape up or trim down or polish up or find, enlighten, relieve, liberate the, the there's nothing to do there's, so this is the complete peace the freedom from self-view is the complete peace does that mean that when we just sit around constantly indulging in in greed, doubt, fear, hatred lust, craving, saying well that's the way it is <laughs> but it's not me <laughs> It's uh, this is a an interesting deviation from the quite a, a well-trodden path. This <laughs> as long as you're not attached, do what you like. <laughs> but if you, you know, this has to be experienced because it, when there is that the the dhamma, then actually. At that at that moment, then these can, these objects fade away. And we uh, so it's just not like an ideological statement to say, just do whatever you like, sit there with your mind wandering all over the place, and just recognise that's the way it is, as some kind of final statement, or the, you know the building's falling down, way it is, impermanent, <laughs> 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 nothing to do with me. I don't own. I don't own this place. <laughs> so the, sometimes people get this. If you take it as a as a final statement, rather than as a rather than as a what you bring your mind onto, just for this moment of release, then you get into these strange ideas that Buddhists can't do anything anymore. You know, you just sit there contemplating your navel. The nuclear bombs are falling all around you, and you're just kind of mindfully breathing in and out. <laughs> Strontium 90. <laughs> what would you do if... Then you always get these questions. <laughs> if a madman attacked your mother with an axe. Or your mother attacked a madman with an axe. What would you do if your mother attacked a maniac with an axe? 
Where's your mindfulness then, huh? Think, oh, got me there. I don't know what I do. Call for the police? Do some chanting? (laughs) 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 But these are actually are things that we don't have to in a retreat situation there aren't any I hope <laughs> people with axes there's probably some mothers and a few maniacs but <laughs> we've put aside all the axes and taken the precepts so this isn't something that we have to we'll meditate on at this moment and yet the, the so we're dealing with the ordinary situations or what comes up as, a, as an exercise and then when these exercises bear fruit then the mind has the clarity and wisdom and mindfulness to know what to do in situations but you can't just abstract situations sitting here thinking about your mother or the nuclear war or whatever well you can do but all, when you do that you can know that you're liable to be feeding into that the various abstractions that arise in self view such as doubt, worry, fear, guilt, shame, and so forth. You know, maybe I'm not doing enough, maybe I could be doing this, I could do that. But if you're not doing this right, then there's no way that when that madman comes at your mother with his axe, you're gonna do that right. You have to <laughs> you'll be sitting there thinking, should I do samatha, chant, karate, kung fu, get a shotgun? pray for my mother, tell her to doubt. You'd be stuck in doubt, won't you? But actually when these situations occur, it's more than likely we'll know exactly what to do because we won't think about it. We'll just do one thing or another that, that seems right at the time. But in this situation, then we can worry, and doubt and imagine. And these are all liable to be infused with the kind of mental proliferations that occur whenever you're not on the point, whenever you're not with the way things are at this moment. Now the way things are at this moment is that we're in this retreat, meditation retreat center, we don't have to deal with with those things at this particular instance in time. But if we're dealing with this situation at this moment in time, then we're preparing ourselves, for that immediacy, that clarity, that wisdom, attention, for the full, bringing the fullness of your mind onto situations as they occur to you. And then all we can know is that maybe we won't be able to save our mother or the world, but at least we'll have done everything we possibly could, everything that was possible to do from the fullness of our understanding and compassion at that time. We also have to recognize that maybe it's not possible. You know? Maybe you know, you've just got to, that's it for your mother. Sorry, you know? mothers have to go. Maybe that way, mightn't it? But we also have to recognize that perhaps some things we're not going to be able to, to get past like, say, physical death, sickness, separation from the loved. We all have to say goodbye to something that we like sooner or later. We all have to put up with something we don't like sooner or later.
So we're not even expecting, you can't ask for, for immediate results. You can't approach the here and now with that, if I do this, will you, will you succeed? If I practice this, will you go away, please? Will you get better? We can't, we can't ask that. If we're asking that, we're still not fully with the way things are. There's still a little fine print in the bottom of the page. Like, I'll do this for so long if you promise me that on the fifth day I will become completely enlightened underneath, or partially enlightened, or happier, or... We can't, we can't ask that. If we do, we're not really practicing Dhamma. That's why you need faith, confidence, mindfulness, why you need a right effort, why you need concentration and wisdom. So it's just this, when you begin to take refuge in those, those indriya, those five supportive faculties, saying, this is all that I can do at this time. This is what is possible without looking for anything from outside or alternatives or the way things should be or could be or whatever. This is, I have the complete possibilities here for me at this time. All that I can ever do, the, the essence of it is right here and now. And this, so this, these Dhamma teachings, are when we, these are not impositions, I, I hope these are reflections that you can begin to witness in your own mind. And if you practice skillfully, you'll begin to see them. Then you, you're bringing Dhamma into Dhamma. You're bringing the teaching of the Buddha into the way things are. Then there's, so there's no, there's no self-view. There's no, I am getting rid of this, I'm conquering that attainment attitude which always is still an abstraction still a stepping apart from the way things are still some notion of the future and somebody who's other than the way things are and we're no longer practicing to to make ourselves into something These, these, these self-views are, will always cause you a sense of stress, strain, suffering. Having to hold it together, having to become, having to get rid of, having to develop constantly. <sighs> Trudging on. Now, the, again, the, the, why this is not just a, a, a self-indulgence of, letting, of passivity, apathy, inertia, complacency, is that in order to recognize Dhamma, you don't, you don't do that in a complacent, indulgent way. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can think it you can't do it. You can sit back and think about it and philosophize and find the right terms and the right kind of jargon and cliches to, to justify any old thing. 
know, I'm just doing this to put aside my attachment to, to energy, my attachment to mindfulness. I'm getting very attached to mindfulness, so I'll be totally heedless. <laughs> now you can just about work around with thought, you can work around anything from a self, from, with, but with the same self view, isn't it? But what, what is it? When do you know purely that you're really th- there where the way things are? It arises through a, a total commitment to this moment, not uh, asking for anything, wallowing in it, creating any ideas about it, just totally being with it. And then you say, you, you can't, you can't uh, justify, but you can't criticize. At that time, there's the knowing. At that moment, there's the, the knowing. It's a not a knowing that's stepping back from it. It's the knowing that when you put your finger into a bath of water, you know how hot it is. You don't wave your finger over the top of it. You have to put your finger right into it. Now with the knowing, you're putting your knowing right into it. But with that recognition that, that the knowing can never be the known. So we no longer, once we, that knowing has become clear, and we, we know how to, to abide with that knowing using these meditation techniques to, to evoke, to strengthen, to encourage, to nurture that the Buddha knowing. When that is clear then, the known can never be the knowing. No matter what the known is, whether it's freezing cold or boiling hot, it's never the knowing. And now the, the true nature of this mind, when it's true, when it's, it's complete, when it's pure, is the knowing. Though that, that for, um, for that knowing, what it requires uh, a lot of sincerity. And patience kindness, compassion. What are the qualities of the Buddha? Why we use the Buddha, his Buddha image and reflections on the Buddha. And the, the, the black Bhagavan, the, the one that's full of, of fortunes, of good blessings, is rich, well endowed. We have to enrich the knowing. It's not just a kind of bleak, timid, or uh, sterile kind of knowing. It's rich with, endowed with, with quality, with intelligence, with a, a sort of, with, with investigative qualities to really look into and feel out. And we're, we're developing mindfulness around, around physical sensations to enrich the, the knowing in that way. Sweeping the body, discerning the moods in the mind. It's a noble quality, the arahang. It's, it's not asking for anything for itself, it's noble. Fully, completely enlightened. It's the one that is endowed with um, clarity and skillful conduct. To know how to skillfully conduct yourself 
in this retreat and in your life, so that you're, you are living in a way where you can stay in balance, and be with the way things are and, and cultivate the knowledge. So one, the, the sugato is the, is the, the equanimous, the serene, the well-faring, and the knowing, knowing of the worlds, the lokavidu, is uh, contemplating these worlds, the heavens, the hells, the various personal, social, physical, intellectual realms. So we can travel through the worlds and witness, and what do we know? They are changing. They are impermanent. They are not self. And there's no abiding in any of them. And it's the, the knowing is also that which can train us and teach us incomparably. Anything you you with with uh, when there's this awakening, when we really uh, use that, then we begin to recognise all of the and re- more refined biases. Practice as it proceeds is just a matter of noticing the more refined levels of attachment and delusion, self-views, how it clings to this and to that. And the knowing will always teach you that because anything that is other than just the purity, stress-free, clear, peaceful, the way it is, is an indication there's some something in here. <coughs> you know, you can always, you're scanning that, and, see, and to be honest, I think most of when some of the grosser forms of of, of suffering or defilements wear down, you see the little anxieties that come up, the little kind of doubts of maybe I should, did I do that right? I wonder if. So and so doesn't look so good. Did I did I say something wrong? I wonder if I maybe you know, tomorrow I could you know a little worrying, doubting, planning, rumbling away. Is this really? Is this? Am I really practicing? I wonder, is this really the path for me? Have I, am I enlightened now? I wonder if I'm enlightened. <laughs> is this as good as it gets? I had that nice experience inside. It's kind of little twitterings away, the fret, even the desire to know something, so as, a, as an idea, as a concept, this is it, now I've got it. You can see is that there's a stress and a tension in that, to attain jhana or to attain absorption, when you get very, your mind can get very quiet, very silent. This is it. Right. And you kind of Give a quick scan through it. Don't think, no, there's no, no lust, no. no. <laughs> it's gone, greed's gone, you know, yeah. hatred, no, don't hate anybody, feel pretty good. I'm quite peaceful, you know, I'm pretty peaceful. The, 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 the kind of, when your mind gets very tranquil, and you, or you're really drowsy sometimes, you're not really tranquil, you're just falling asleep. <laughs> Well, you know, Buddhas sleep too. This is a, I know, the way it is. Sleeping Buddhas.
awakened. Now, so, you know, wh- whatever the realm is, whether it's celestial, ethereal, very earthy, or hellish, you know, you, you know it as the, this is this is the world. This is the formations. This is perception. This is consciousness. This is thought. You look, you see it in this way, and you see the the holding to it, the wanting to be this way or that way, or to make something out of it. When when the mind is is clear, then these things come and go. They change. They pass away. When the mind is clear. This is recognizing the the way to the release from these hindrances and forms, and with the cultivation of insight, the begin to recognize through having hindrances and attachments, how do they come around? Now, I suppose most of our practice is about feeling that we should get rid of them get rid of suffering, get rid of discomfort, get rid of silliness, don't be so dozy or inane. But with uh, in Dhamma practice you're also understanding how does it how does it come around. So you naturally just once once there is a certain level of of standing back you think how does it arise? Where does it arise? Then what, what is the root of it all? Why do we think so much? Why is there always kind of buzzing going off into this and to that? This is a, a, like becoming, desire to become, to, to be something, to feel one is something. Sometimes like with the, with the, when there's a letting go, there's a loss of self, a sense of emptiness, and that can be quite alarming at first, you think. And then that can be quite um, the clarity and the and the unification can be have a brightness and a nakedness that's at first it's quite difficult. Something in us restlessly twitches into wanting to do something, think something, hold something like a baby does. So when if your mind becomes quiet or you have these anatta experiences, <coughs> then don't be disappointed about them passing away and understand how does it how do the, how do I come into being? How am I born? How is all that self holding, wanting, trying not to, trying to? How does all that happen? And you can bring your mind to bear just upon on the, the whole process of it the dependent origination. And the, the, even with that, we, we begin to look into that and say, yeah, but things arise, but that's still not, there's no, no person, it's not a person, it's thoughts arise dependent upon this, sight arises dependent upon that, doubt arises dependent upon this, worry dependent upon that. And then you can either take those necessary steps to to no longer follow or incline in those towards those ways and situations that will evoke these, also to contemplate finally the, the very self-will, the will to be as a separate individual, 
there's some known finite thing that has a future and a past and an identity and a person and relax that allow oneself to not be anything now this takes a lot of uh, patience and trust and love the consummation of our practice is, a, is, a, is the wisdom and compassion and to, to have this total love doesn't mean necessarily an ebullient or liking, attracted, jubilant feeling but the love that has the love of Dhamma the total trust and love of Dhamma the way things are to, to, to love the world to love ourselves is a task perhaps more difficult than making it better we can always find ways to make it better complain about it, criticise it, judge it, fiddle with it take uh, <laughs> sort it out but to, to, to love it exactly as it is so that what we do with ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our lives comes from a feeling of, of love rather than anxiety, worry, despair what am I going to do if, oh no, what will happen if uh, but a freedom and that's the best we can do really I don't think, I don't see how you can do anything more total than that and it's not, and that totality will always enhance whatever you do in detail the details you can work out for yourself you don't need a dumber teaching or a teacher or meditation to tell you what to do there's plenty of things to do, plenty of things we know <laughs> you're stacked full of them I'm sure things to do and things that should be and shouldn't be and couldn't be and might be and fix that and sort that out, mow the lawn walk the dog, paint the house, sell the car, go on holiday, get a job, get married, get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very lovely idea, good social causes, campaigns for the charity, helping the world, social action, tons of them, and they're all good to do but from the attitude of, of love rather than despair I would think it would be better <laughs> and this year, this does take uh, skill to resolve oneself into and at this time, in this place, you have this unique opportunity beginning with the most immediate forms around you the ones you don't have to reach out for or be in a hurry to get to or kind of have a glancing relationship the ones you can know thoroughly, steadily, constantly, intimately so you really know what you're doing and that what you're coming up with is not just some idealism or hope or belief but the real pachatang or self-realized truth beyond anybody's hope, belief, doubt or uh, theory and once you've, once you've mined that gold then you can make what you like with it 
and you know it's gold, it's not fool's gold, which looks very much like that. Now when you say uh, contemplating this these the the way things are our minds, the way our minds the mind objects, the suffering, the wanting things to be more, wanting less, wanting things to be different. And again just using this as the sign that you that you turn your attention onto and look into. How does that work? And the, the possibility of bringing to bear the, uh, the Dhamma practice, these uh, faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, wisdom. And then the enlightenment factors arise. So we can contemplate in, our li- uh, in your practice just where, the, where there is joy, calm, where there is an investigation of, of truth, where there is mindfulness. Equanimity, concentration, these things which are, are enlightenment factors. Then you, you know that you're mining gold. So today, then using the, the attention on the, the body, on say breathing and walking, touching, sitting, lying down, eating, bathing, drinking tea, moment by moment, when the, there is steadiness of attention, when the foundation, when the mindfulness is established as a foundation, don't think about it too much, just get a feeling for it, then putting aside uh, um, meditation exercise on, on, on the breath, just looking into how, how is it now, where am I at now? And if you just, you know, it gets totally blurred and fuzzy, you can always go back to the breath, stabilize, then move off. I know, it's, it's confusion. Okay, got a quick glimpse of that one. And then totally lost, all right, back to breathing. Confusion, bear that in mind as a notion. Go into that confusion. How do I feel about confusion? I don't like it. <laughs> okay, back to the breath. Right. <laughs> got a little bit further, right? We've got down to, I don't like confusion. <laughs> then take a few breaths on that one. Uh, next time, go into there. Just try to get to the point, you know, so that you're extending. Not liking confusion means there's, there's hot pushing away, isn't there? There's, what about if just for one moment one allows that confused state to, to be? Okay, try that. Confusion, let it be. One moment of letting confusion be, then doubt, worry, and, you know, overwhelmed again. Right? So back to the breath. But you, you're beginning to learn Dhamma, the, the toddler's way. getting out of the cradle and toddling.
But then there's like a baby, there's only one way that you grow. It's bigger, stronger, more capable. By falling over, bruising your nose, getting up again. Now, you really recommend that you just stay with the, the form of, of the retreat as like what one needs as, as a support, as a sitting, walking, to keep inclining towards that, no matter what the mind rants on about or, or, or imagines. You know, don't, don't believe that, do you? And then you, you're starting to make it so that the, you, you really are inclining yourself towards the Dhamma rather than towards some idea and you'll receive the, the blessings of it and the confidence and self-respect to know that you can do it, it's all totally possible and your life will be an unfolding and a joy for you and a blessing for the world. So, make use of this uh, reflection today. Um, later on this morning, um, the first uh, after the first walking period, at about quarter to ten, I'll see group C, and then I'll see group D at ten forty-five.